Hello, friends, and welcome to Elixir Talk, the podcast where we discuss your questions about Elixir application and design. My name is Desmond Bowie, and I'm joined by my British co-host, Chris Bell. Hey, Desmond. I was hoping for, like, top of the morning. Oh, shit. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I'm British, but I'm not that British. Also, top of the morning is Irish. Oh, is it really? Yeah, you've got to know your European countries or kind of still just about European. Well, it goes to show what I know, which is kind of embarrassing because I'm sure we have a lot of listeners over in Europe. Well, we hope so. We we do hope so. I'm sure we'll hear from them after this, uh, <laughs> this episode, too. That's true. Well, anyway, how's it going, Chris? It's going pretty well. Uh, you know, we just had Halloween and I dressed up in a Star Trek uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, the usual. Mm-hmm. So I went as a giraffe. You did? Yeah. Did you own that costume already? No, I had to buy one. There's actually some very good giraffe costumes for sale on Amazon. <laughs> just in case the listeners needed that. Well, I was going to be a self-driving car, and then my buddy's girlfriend just said, no, man, that's not the, <laughs> that's not the look. How would you even do that? I was going to get a spinning thing on my head, you know, like a radar, uh, and then have like a soccer ball, and then like a child's shoe coming out of it. I was going to take it in kind of a dark direction. Wow. But uh, wow. I think the giraffe was probably the better move. Yeah, I think the world uh, is happy that you didn't do that. Hmm. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. Anyway, um, so Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your background, where you're working now? Just pitch your job up at the top? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so I work at Frame.io, and uh, we're a video collaboration and review platform here in New York City. Uh, we are actively using Elixir every day, day in, day out. So if you're looking for a new role, come and hit me up. Sweet. And what about you, Desmond? What's Sorry that? for that very long pause <laughs> while I was drinking my beer. I was waiting to be asked. <laughs> I uh, So my name is Desmond and I'm a consultant living in LA and I specialize in Elixir development and training. Uh, I also do product development. So if you have any questions about how Elixir works, or if you're thinking about migrating your team, please get in touch. We'll put all this in the show notes, our contact information. Definitely. And uh, we should uh, just give a little plug to our conference as well, Desmond. Oh, sure. So Chris and I uh, originally met because we were working on the MPEX conference in New York. Uh, it's the only Elixir conference held in a jazz club. And oh, yes. we're just opening a a new one, this is fresh news, happening in Los Angeles. We have a date now. The date is Saturday, February 10th, 2018. We got a very cool venue in downtown LA. It's gonna be similar to the New York event, if any of you have been to that. Uh, Event space, stage. Oh, and this is the killer one, a disco ball. Oh my God, I have to be there. You should all be there. It's gonna be great. If you know what MPEX is, it's more of that, uh, only in LA. So, Stay tuned for more information, but our call for proposals is opening soon. It might be out by the time this uh, podcast is released, but check the show notes for more information. Nice. I'm definitely going to try and get my my proposal into that because, you know, people pay for flight to MPEX and that means I'll get a free flight to LA, which sounds great. You also give great talks, Chris. Desmond, (laughs) Desmond. Just warming my heart. So nice. So what do we have uh, on tap today for Elixir Talk? So that's a great question, Desmond. So uh, actually we have a repo where people can submit talk suggestions for us to kind of talk about here on the show. 
Um, and you can get to that at github.com slash Elixir Talk slash Elixir Talk. Um, little uh, like shaming for the community out there. We didn't actually have any new suggestions this week. Uh, we had we had one. Oh, we did? Wow, I missed it. Maybe Now I feel really bad. Maybe it's just bad. one that says show notes. And then it says great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for the thank you for the input. Yeah. Well, you know, if if you want us to talk about something specific, uh, you can definitely open up an issue there, and we're more than happy to kind of dig into your questions and kind of talk about some things. And if you don't do that, you're basically just going to hear Desmond and I ramble about things that we like to talk about, like Star Trek. Like Star Trek, yes. Although I. Don't think we're going to do that today again. We're just like teeing that one up, you know. That one episode. Yeah, one day, one day our day will come and it'll be a good day. But today, let's talk about let's talk about elixir. Yes, we should do that. Uh, so I figured today could be a good chance for us to dig into another big, broad topic, which is uh, all about umbrella applications. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of uh, feedback informally, and also people contacting us on Twitter about umbrella apps when do i use them how do i design them are they related to microservices what are considerations i should think about so uh i there's definitely a lot there yeah for sure i mean desmond you and i both have pretty interesting kind of differing opinions sometimes about umbrella apps so i'm excited about digging into this one yeah if we agreed on everything this podcast would be a lot a lot more dull yeah that's true that's true uh so i mean I'll, I'll kick things off and just talk a bit about how we're using umbrella apps here at frame um, so we basically we have a monolithic repository where inside of that we have uh, lots of um, lots of applications structured under this one umbrella app so we call our umbrella app mass driver inside of there we have our API we have all of our business logic uh, we actually have another Phoenix app which we use for an internal tool um, we have a few other applications as well under that umbrella. Uh, and, but really those things are fairly isolated. So they're quite contained kind of areas uh, that we have. So in terms of the Phoenix apps, like the API is an obvious one. Um, that's that's obviously how clients in the outside world can kind of talk to the, the business logic layer. Uh, and then we have this support tool that our support staff use, but that also uses the business logic layer that we talked about. Uh, and then we also have like, I think there's like an app for monitoring, and then we have an app that connects to our old kind of uh, Dynamo database as well. So we we kind of house under th- everything under this like one big umbrella, um, hence the name, I guess. <laughs> so then the first question is, why are these different applications in an umbrella app as opposed to a single elixir app or discrete elixir apps in different repos yeah to be honest i i often ask myself that question desmond (laughs) and i think this is the challenge of umbrella applications so first of all there's something really nice about everything being in the same repository uh i Personally, I liked the fact that we can just jump between apps, we can make changes, everything's nice and isolated in its own application, but then we still have this shared amount of code. But really here, that shared code could be, an, could be a library that we host on Hex or, or could be on a GitHub that we just pull in as well. So I, I really tend to go back and forth under this idea that 
should these things all live under this same big umbrella or should they be separated out and deployed and well actually to start with there they are deployed independently and we actually do that we push them to different places and they're completely isolated applications in that right but should they just be their own repositories and uh, that's that's an interesting one yeah i've kind of gone full circle maybe not full circle we'll see how far i get in my explanation on umbrella apps uh i used to start with nothing and then once i kind of understood what they were i started making everything an umbrella app business logic would be one otp app my web front end would be another otp app a different web front web front end would be a, a third app and this actually worked pretty well for my company crevalli which is a consulting company that has many um products that we release uh, side projects that go commercial or whatever and it's nice having the one company repo so in my case an umbrella app called crevalli and then individual apps called pulse or lily or chitta or whatever these apps that we release because then i can have an overall sense of what my company is doing i can have a general sense of which applications uh, are getting traffic i can share code a lot of apps need photo uploading they need uh, authorization and i don't have to reinvent that wheel so that's kind of nice and that maps cleanly to distinct apps as opposed to putting them all as uh, different services or contexts in, in a single app because they are discrete applications they serve totally different purposes they have different uh, data stores there's really i mean shared functionality again in these libraries um, but they are different and so it's it's much easier to reason about as separate applications so I think something you said there really resonates with me, which is this idea that those apps have their own data stores. Uh, and we also do something like that as well, where we have, we have one application that talks to a Postgres database, and then we might have a completely separate application that's talking to, uh, in our case, it's a DynamoDB app, um, sorry, DynamoDB um, as a data store. And that's, that's its own application as well. And I've heard, I mean, I, th I think it's really interesting if you think about the apps as contexts and they're kind of self-contained and they have their own data store and they're not kind of sharing everything all over the place. Um, I've definitely heard kind of people having differing opinions about should that be, you know, should you even be structuring it in, um, in an umbrella if, if there are actually separate applications in that sense. But I like where you're going with the like, oh, we can actually share some code and it's easy to work with, you know. But then... My, I mean, my question there for you, Desmond, is like, why don't you extract those out into Hex uh, or extract those into uh, a separate applicate, like Elixir application or shared code that you um, host on GitHub or something? That's a good question. And I think with uh, the recent addition of private repos on Hex, uh, the case for having your shared libraries in your umbrella is a little different, particularly if it's just uh, shared functionality helpers or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's less plumbing if it's right there in your repo. It's easier to manage versions. Um, there's less traffic back and forth. So there's a little less admin overhead. Uh, I think your mileage may vary over what uh, makes sense to you. Certainly, if you want to release it to the community, then it needs to be in hex. If it's an internal thing, then... I would probably leave it in an umbrella until I felt the need to push it up to hex because then I mm -hmm. I just keep it internal. I have a lot that much more control over it. 
Yeah, I th- I, it's so interesting because I think we're probably going to get into a holy war at some point with like, should it be an application or should it be just like mm-hmm. some context or something inside of Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's worth just pointing out that, you know, Phoenix adopted this idea of context in 1.3 that I, I, I had like, actually, I gave an, a uh, talk at Elixir Days earlier in the year that I now completely disagree with everything I said. So that was like strong opinions, weekly held, definitely. Uh, where I said that uh, uh, umbrella apps are a really good way to encapsulate domain context. So each application represents its own domain context. And, you know, I now think that you can just do that inside of a folder, you know, like put it all inside of an app, put it under a folder, separate it in terms of module context. And that's, that's all the isolation you need in a lot of times. Like the application boundary is all about configuration and startup and running processes and things like that it's not just a, it's not just a boundary to hold code and you can do that in other ways yeah i worked on um, a project that had been structured this way where each uh idea each what we will call a context now was split out into its own otp app and pretty quickly, that gets into a lot of uh, a lot of overhead about where does this code live and why is this over here? And there's a little more ceremony about calling across apps, which is easy to do in an umbrella app. But uh, they, the the two concepts had enough in common that there was a lot of uh, pressure for them to talk back and forth, which was a big smell around. Okay, these are not. Um, distinct applications with clearly defined boundaries. These are really contexts in a larger uh, single idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, for everyone at home, Desmond's actually trolling me right now because that was actually <laughs> an app that I started that design on and uh, very much overdid the idea of the umbrella. So, uh, I mean, the immediate smell with that was, oh, we have app A and app B and they both need to depend on each other. And of course, in Elixir, you can't have circular dependencies inside of your, uh, inside of your applications uh, because it doesn't know how to resolve it and compile it. So that was an immediate smell that those contexts were completely wrong. And actually, there was a broader idea where those things should have been grouped under. So, I'm sure it seemed like a good idea at the time, but then... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... One of this the is nice... why we have this podcast, so other people can learn from... Uh, from... Our experience just so you control me as well that right yeah i wasn't going to say anything i was just going to slide that in there and see how uncomfortable it made you yeah uh, thanks thanks mate thanks pretty but uncomfortable okay so <laughs> i do think something there though is like you know when you had to move those things back together i i, I can't imagine the refactoring effort was that difficult um and you know I, I do think that's that's something to be said there as well like you can start out with these things that are all combined in a single application and if you need to pull them out and deploy them separately and scale it independently and things like that like actually extracting an application out of your uh, main application becomes quite easy because you already have these nice module contexts around it yeah exactly and i think you just touched on uh one of the driving benefits of an umbrella app which is suppose you have a single application that needs to scale differently than the rest of your application. Maybe it's your web front ends, uh, want to live on a machine with more RAM, or you have some individual or some private service that is CPU bound, and you want to deploy that to a machine with a beefy processor. That's a great use case for having an umbrella app where you separate out that functionality, deploy it separately, but then you have uh, 
the transparency of the function calls um, across your cluster. Yeah, completely. And and that's exactly what we're doing here at Frame as well, actually. Uh, we have different applications that we pull out and deploy completely separately, almost like a microservice, you might say. And uh, we should we should absolutely just reference um, Jose's fantastic blog post uh, from last year or the year before uh, called Elixir in the Times of Microservices um, that we will absolutely put in the show notes. Also, shout out to Bobby for noticing how much that I love to say we put them in the show notes. Chris loves his show notes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. Chris came to me one day and he was like, Desmond, we should put together some show notes. And I was like, but Chris, what kind of show are they going to be for? And he said, I have to think about that. And that was the origin of the podcast. Yeah, that's where the podcast came from. It's a show note driven podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So if any of you out there ever have like the back half of an idea, just stick with it. And then the front half will present itself. That's yeah, great advice there, Desmond. <laughs> Um, I, I do want to read out a quote that actually uh, a friend of mine sent me, uh, which is all about umbrellas. Um, so, and this comes from the Elixir forum, and uh, we will of course link to that in the show notes. So, uh, the quote goes: uh, Actually, I'm going to do my like Dan uh, Carlin voice, which is quote. In other words, the purpose of umbrellas is to run uh, multiple applications in the same instance. When we see uh, umbrellas misused is exactly because they want to run isolated applications or separated configurations in the same umbrella and that goes against the purpose of umbrellas if you want isolation then you should scale back to the mon uh, to the mono repo pattern and shell scripts path dependencies or whatever to to manage that i'm curious about your thoughts on that Desmond. well chris it sounds like you just told us that we're wrong <laughs> exactly that's why i think it's quite interesting I, I i can totally see that argument as well like this idea that you have you have this concept of an application that's all about how you manage basically a process tree and if you're not really doing that with all these multiple applications is that is that the right approach i don't know so so what chris is describing is uh thinking about your application in terms of its supervision tree, which is something that takes time to get used to if you're coming from a different background. And the case where you have an application uh, that's running, and then when it fails, you have a separate restart strategy than another part of your application, and you can't quite get them to uh, play nicely with each other. Like maybe the restart strategies are conflicting. Um, or they need to boot up with different configuration, uh, then that would drive a separate, a separate uh, OTP app out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. Um, someone came up with an example that made a lot of sense. It was a very cogent example that I can't think of now. Um, but I think that if you have different resource needs, then I think you would want the flexibility to deploy something onto specific hardware, wouldn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this goes, yeah, I, I, I think so as well. Like, I, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule for this. Uh, I, I think the only hard and fast rule is like, don't overly abstract into the umbrella because you feel like everything should be a separate application. Yeah. Um, I, I think starting out with something simple and seeing like what grows from it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, because like you said earlier, going from one pattern to another is is uh, 
relatively, I don't want to say painless. I wanted to say painless. It's relatively straightforward to extract uh, a certain context or a certain feature set out into its own umbrella app. And it's also pretty straightforward to go the other direction. So I think for simplicity, like if I were starting an application now, I would have a single thing and just grow it until something got very painful or I ran into these one of the situations where I needed a certain specific hardware or a custom um, re supervision strategy that wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I, I will say something else about umbrella apps that we've encountered here is uh, that the configuration trampling that can happen as well. So um, just to give you a brief example of that. So we have our API and then we have another application um, and we want to configure those and we want to actually we were using uh, a great logging library called Timber, um, which if you haven't checked it out, yeah, definitely check out. Uh, so. We were, we were trying to do this configuration for lots of applications where Timber was inside of there. But then we had parts of the umbrella that were basically trampling over the configuration um, that we wanted to set in one application. I feel like I'm doing an awful job of explaining this. But effectively what happened was um, we, we had to, where you have like the config.exs files in each app, uh, it was basically whatever was loaded last was trampling the global configuration for the for the logger module. And we were trying to do that in each application and trying to have this like isolated configuration for each app that sometimes included different logger configuration and sometimes didn't. But the way that it all got compiled into our distillery releases was that basically whatever was last won and that trampled it. Um, and I, I think I, I I spoke to David about this, who works at Timber a, a bunch, and yeah, you know, th there's different ways to get round of it, round it in your kind of umbrella application config. Um, if you actually look in the root of the configuration, it includes all of the child configuration by default across all of it, and you can stop loading it and like that. And to be honest, what we ended up doing was just like manually injecting the config for when we needed it into the start script of the application which worked okay. It does feel like a bit of a hack. Um, I'm really interested if anyone has any other approaches. Well, that makes sense because I think that the Timber module, I mean, it's its own OTP app. So it's effectively another app inside of your umbrella or is it part of the supervision tree? Uh, so in this case, we're actually customizing the configuration of Logger, which is actually an OTP app, mm -hmm. yes. So then you have this other thing that is not uh, owned or specific to any of your other apps and they're all trying to depend on this one thing it's not like they each have their own copy of this uh this logger application so right I, right i think uh again we have to think below what's happening um with our programs and think well here's how these modules or not modules here's how these libraries are set up they're generally their own otp apps and it's living in this constellation of other apps that I have written um, that are in my repo and uh, nothing like belongs to anyone. They're all just out there. Yeah, I mean, you, you're seeing some people get around this by uh, like the using module pattern where you say, okay, actually a really good example is the new version of uh, Guardian, uh, which is uh, like an authentication library. Um, so. I think they recognize the need that many people want to customize the configuration of that library and you might have to have different uh, independent instances of it. 
So what they do instead is instead of you saying like config guardian globally, you actually can say config um, my guardian module where inside of that guardian module, what you've done is say like use guardian and it's injected all of that uh, via a using macro into that module. And then you configure that instead. And like, I actually, I mean, that, that solves this problem. Um, I mean, all of this might be a smell for like you're doing it wrong as well. So, well, I, I think it does make more sense to say I'm not going to um, call this library, this external library directly or rely on that. I'm going to import its functionality into my custom thing. I think that just gives you that much more uh, control over how the thing behaves, how it interacts with the rest of your system. And also, I think that that will end up driving out a lot of customizability um, on the part of people who write these these libraries. If you're thinking about my thing is not just its own world, it's going to uh, be used by people, it's going to be um, uh, subsumed under one of their custom things. So how can I, how can I make it as, as customizable as possible? Yeah, it's quite nice as well because you start putting some nice abstractions around those libraries as well. Like you're saying that I have a module context where I'm interacting with my implementation of that that module, I guess, and that library. Mm -hmm. um, and you might it might be a good place to hang off other methods that you want to, sorry, other functions, OO hang up uh, that you want to put under there as well. So I don't. I think I think with umbrella apps the the. The thing is, start simple, like don't try and go crazy with the design. If you're running into a lot of these problems, you know, start to think about extracting it into different applications if that, if that makes sense for you. Um, so I want to tell a story about a circle that I went through. I still can't tell if I've come full circle yet, but I was working on a project. Um, it was an e-commerce site and we had the main page that had the store and the products and whatever. And uh, then there was an admin page. And many of you probably work for companies where you have uh, the main site. And then you have some admin site that looks like a second grade project. It's just your main site is all pretty, nice layout. It's very designed. Uh, and the admin site is bootstrap. It's just kind of whatever. It's like, get the job done. So I understand the uh, financial motivation for that. I think it's a weird experience. And part of the reason for that is because it's very difficult when you have different applications to share things like uh, styles or templates and layouts. And so what we did was we had in our Umbrella app different OTP apps that were all Phoenix apps for these different, um, these different endpoints. The main page, we'll call it the landing site, was a Phoenix endpoint. And then uh, the admin application was a separate OTP app also with Phoenix. And then we made a third app that was just assets. And Phoenix makes it very easy to say, in your endpoint configuration, serve all assets from this other umbrella app or from this, um, this different file location. So with one line, I could now say, for landing or admin, serve all the assets from the assets app. And you can specify which assets you want. So just uh, the JavaScript, the CSS, and images, I can use different robots text uh, and a different fave icon. I happen to be a big fave icon fan. Little known fact about me. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And it also meant that the designers could just live in, could just focus on one application and the rest of us could uh, work somewhere else. It's a very clean division. 
The problem with this was it ended up being difficult to share templates because we had a, an issue of things would depend on the assets app, but then the assets would have to depend on um, the other app so it would know, okay, well, how can I have a, a title bar that links back and forth through different things? And I had a couple janky solutions to get around it. But what I ended up doing is consolidating all of these different Phoenix endpoints into a single OTP app that was just website. And then inside that, starting up an endpoint for the landing page and an endpoint for the admin site. And no one really talks about this in the guides, but it's totally valid to have different Phoenix apps, because Phoenix is not your app, to have different Phoenix apps inside, I should say, no, I'm mixing up my terminology, to have different Phoenix endpoints inside of your application. And you can supervise them individually, um, and then they can call back and forth seamlessly they can share templates they can share layouts uh, the views and helpers and you know time formatting stuff the thing that you always end up duplicating and wondering if you're uh, hard coding too much uh, and it works very it works very well now the downside is you can't scale one uh, web front end over another in my experience um, you have your one site which gets all the traffic your landing site and the admin site really does not account for much load. So I never had an issue with just throwing them all on the same server and saying, deal with it. Um, if you had a situation where you really needed to scale these web front ends differently and you couldn't just throw resources at it, then you might have to think about a different solution. But if I were to do that project again, then I would put all of the Phoenix apps inside of the single um, web app. So a question there for you, Desmond. Did you think about putting it under the, like a different routes file? Yes, the answer is because I wanted different URLs. But isn't that exactly what the route... Oh, you mean like you wanted different yeah. subdomains or something? Different subdomains, different like canonical URLs. And we were using Nginx and we could have that look at the URL and reverse proxy to different ports. And then we just had different endpoints running on different ports. Yeah, that kind of makes sense in some ways. I, yeah, I mean, that, that's something for the listeners out there. So the, the endpoint always binds to a port. That, so you can't do something like this on something that expects a single port to be bound, like a Heroku or something. Uh, but if you're running your own infrastructure or your own servers, it's fairly simple to do. Um, I, I don't know, though, man. Like, shouldn't that just be in different apps, maybe? I don't know. Like... It's, it's, a really, it's a really interesting dilemma because I would also say that there's other ways to share assets, right? There's, we have a whole uh, front-end package management system designed to do things like this called NPM. Don't, don't know if you know about that one. <laughs> I've heard about it. I'm, my parents won't let me go see their film. <laughs> um, but I, I get that the necessity to share templates as well leads to something like this. And I like thinking about it as my webs, like the web front end is an application. The serving of business logic and data uh, through the web to a browser is an application. And the fact that I have different routes or different URLs or whatever is a presentation issue um, that I can solve fairly straightforwardly by running different endpoints. Uh, you have to think a bit about the configuration, but again, it's much easier to share uh, that stuff. If you did have a situation where, you know, you have frame.io and then frame.io slash admin, 
yeah, you know, I might solve that with a router. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think going back to that quote that we said earlier, like they talked about having path dependencies as a way to solve this. I guess you could have sim linked some templates path or something from somewhere else and let it deal with it at compile time. That might have been another solution there. That probably could have worked. Uh, this way I didn't have to deal with the file system. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting because there's so many ways to skin this cat, right? Sorry, I know you love cats. I probably shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm laughing. But, it's not funny, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it's it's one of those things. You have all the flexibility to do it, and I don't think anyone's going to be like this solution is vastly better than this one because it it comes down to subjective application design right like and what works for you might not work for someone else and what works for you now might not work as well in three or six months yeah like this this idea that your your architecture is changing and evolving and you need to embrace that as well as i think is something quite powerful uh and something that you know having an adaptable kind of application model allows you to do that fairly easily in elixir as well you want to break something out do it you know you want to host it on hex do it like it's fine yeah and that i think is the the underlying big win here is that it is pretty easy to um to move back and forth between some of these different architectures like this functional paradigm um and the compiler really help you just carve out a piece of whatever move it over here move it back change your mind and that's pretty convenient you don't dig yourself into too deep a hole Right, right, exactly. I think we could like go round and keep talking about this for a, for a, a long time, you know. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure people out there as well have many differing opinions about what this is going to look like. Yeah. Um, at this point, I'd like to invite any of our listeners to write in with uh, patterns they've tried, adventures they've had, um, things that have worked or haven't worked. Because uh, as Chris said, I don't think there is a right answer. I think we have different rules of thumb and different solutions that work for some of our use cases and make others uh, more awkward. And so I think it would be great to have feedback from the community about, here's what we tried, here's what's good and bad about it. This is what we tried and it solved this and creates that. So that when we walk into these situations, we have more of a sense for what the trade-offs are. Absolutely. And I mean, there's a few great case studies out there about using Elixir in the wild for more complex applications, but um, yeah, we would absolutely love to hear from everyone out there and hear what you're, you've been doing recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Cool. So uh, should we wrap up, Desmond? I think so. Anything else? Yeah. Closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. Use that umbrella wisely. Don't open umbrellas indoors. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This is, this is cheesier than the last one. <laughs> Maybe this part will never get better. that's true maybe we're just awful intros and wrap-ups well if any of you have any questions then uh please do open an issue on our github repo which is github.com slash elixir talk slash elixir talk anything that's on your mind we will answer your questions yeah and you can definitely uh, get us on twitter at at elixir talk as well uh or you can reach out to desmond and i where our twitter pages are linked in there as well Yeah, um, in the meantime, feel free to shoot us any other questions and uh, keep elixiring. Keep elixiring.